Good morning and welcome to Stony Radio. I am Susie Lodge. I am the founder of the Wikibiz Network and Wiki Places for Kids. And I am here on a different day today. This is Thursday morning. I'm usually here on a th- on a Wednesday. But um, due to a change in programming um, and life, you know how life is basically Tetris and you have to make all those pieces land um, in the right spot. Um, we've had to move things around. So um, I hope that some people are here joining us today um, and welcome. Um, I'm coming at you feeling a little jaded I'll be totally honest um in the last 48 hours I have had about seven or eight hours sleep I do not know what's going on with me I seem to have lost it <laughs> lost the plot I am um, but got anxiety coming out my ears um but you know sometimes the world can feel quite heavy space can't it and right now that I don't know what's going on but the um the world's gone a little bit mad and there's some really heavy things happening across the planet and it's hard I think um, and you feel like you ha- can't do anything and you're out of control um, and when you add that to you know these really serious things that are going on with your own uh, personal issues actually sometimes that can just like fill your jar over um, and basically you boil over the top and I think that's what's happened so um, I am coming at you a little sleepy today but I'm um, hopefully um, and you know, by the way if you saw me I look like absolute you know ds i think you know what i mean by that um and um yeah i look terrible <laughs> so i just popped to the bathroom here at york house and i and it's they've got those really bright lights um and it's, it's uh, not not very pleasant so i was like whoa crikey uh, there you go um I am joined today, um, actually rejoined by a absolutely fabulous guest. Um, Claire Willits is the founder and CEO of Not Only Pink and Blue. She joined me here on the show a couple of weeks ago um, to talk about the Barbie movie, actually. And um, she really opened my eyes to some things that I had blindly um, sort of skipped over during the film. Um, so please, I do go back and see that. I will, um, I will uh, put the notes to the Barbie movie uh, podcast in the show in the uh, show notes as well but it was brilliant um i would love to introduce claire to the show now and i'm hoping because she's dialing in that the tech is going to work for me so here goes welcome claire are you there i am thank you very much for having me you know when somebody dials in i know that because you're also a radio presenter so you've probably had this before that of fear isn't there like when you're like hello and then somebody answers like thank goodness so uh, yay (laughs) Uh, welcome back on the show claire um as i just said you are the founder of uh, um not only pink and blue i would love you please to just um remind us all about what only pink and blue is um as an entity um as a business um, and over to you. Yeah. So, uh, as you said, I run not only Pink and Blue, and I think lots of people. It's a bit like it says what it, it does what it says on the tin, but it, we exist to grow generations of equals. And by that, we do a few things. Um, we help create parent-friendly networks and parent-friendly cultures within businesses. Um, and we've got a new parent program that helps them do that. And then we do workshops and talks and other things. Um, we collaborate with leaders and we consult on projects. We chair roundtables, deliver talks. Again, all about gender stereotypes, where they come from, how pervasive they are, and how that impacts into business, the workplace, and the work that people could be delivering for their clients. Um, And then we also challenge buying behavior that perpetuates stereotypes. So we've got a directory of brands on our site who, um, where everything is for all children, um, and there is not that kind of segregation of boy and girl, like we see a lot in the shops when we walk in. Or, for example, we see on websites, we have to make a decision quite early on whether we're shopping for a boy or a girl and obviously that changes the results that we see and someone else has decided what they think is right for our children so Mm. it's opening up all the options and what we want to do is create a world that doesn't stereotype children because then we can have the long-term impact and not try and fix a lot of the issues that we see today in adulthood and in our society fascinating so i'm going to play devil's advocate here um (laughs) what is wrong then with um walking into a shop um like you know a standard shop like next for example and the separation of boys into one area and girls into another and the you know the what we might think would be the ease of navigation on a website of having Mm -hmm. to select a boy or a girl um what do you see is that why is that a problem 
So the issue with it is, is what we end up telling our children. So the shortcut of the boy girl, or we could say the the pink blue, the blue pink, is is essentially giving them a message because our brains love rules and we learn rules very early and um and we learn those uh, through the language that people use the way that they are with us uh, what they direct us towards for example with toys and clothes and things like that now i would invite anyone to go into one of those shops and just go and have a look at the messaging on those children's clothes and what you'll see in the girls section and i'm using i'm using my as my kids call them bunny ears um i'm using mm -hmm. inverted commas um is the types of messaging which are be happy be positive uh your day is full of sparkles be a unicorn uh make other people smile and um, it's a good day to make someone else's day a good day all those types of messages all very positive all very uh, happy all very spread happiness type message which is lovely you'll also look at those those with tops or watch clothes with any imagery on and what you'll find is that most of them if they have eyes they are they're looking down or they're closed um, and then you go over to the boys section and you'll find uh, you'll find very active type um, sorry, I'm being called at the same time mm -hmm. <laughs> um, very active type um, type clothing and messages and also things like um, be the future uh, you know uh, create create change uh, make a difference um change the world uh next level skills all of those types of things um and then along with that all of the characters will have very big wide open eyes and so when you start to add this all together and you're looking in one section which is all about be kind and be optimistic and smile and all of those things and the other section which is telling them to be active and strive for more and go further what we see is a very big separation now all of those messages are great we want our children to be active and strive for more and change the world and all that stuff we also want them to be kind and be you know and radiate positivity and all of those things but actually when we separate it so much we're being very clear to children what their role is in our society and so so that's it's the segregation that's the issue and it's not just the messaging when you start to look at the clothes properly i mean there's been a study that's been done all across um europe the uk and across america and um and things like shorts on average are six centimeters shorter if they're girls shorts versus boys shorts obviously as we all know girls shorts don't have pockets um boys trousers have reinforced knees they have double stitching on the seams so everything there is saying be active be comfortable you know basically go and do whatever you like whereas then the girls clothes which is much tighter they're much flimsier you know they're not practical we only have to look at shoes to see that you know they have no grip they're flimsy uh, they're often open toed so you know feet get wet all those things so we start to impact what our children can do mm -hmm. you can't climb a tree if you're in a flimsy bit of clothing that and shoes that don't have any grip um, and so even if you wanted to, it's very difficult to do it. So, so my, the issue is, is not necessarily, it's not the clothes themselves necessarily, it's the segregation of those clothes and therefore the messages it gives to our children and or us adults of the expectations of what they should be like in our world. Mm. So going back, um, you know, to your childhood, did you, is this um, something that you, um, did you were you in a family um, that you felt so I'm an only child I'm gonna just start rephrase this I'm an only child I'm obviously a girl um, and <clears throat> I feel that my mum has always been somebody who's very interested in fashion loved clothes you know I very much like expect what well, was you know actually my mum made my own clothes when I was younger she's um, uh, very talented at, at um, making clothes she's a seamstress and 
she would make clothes, but they were very girly. Actually, I can imagine them being, you know, almost like I want to call it a frock um, or a smock. Um, but those sorts of things <laughs> like with sort of a, a, a frill um, around the neck, potentially, you know, those kind of things. She, she also used to yeah. make our pinny for my, I say our because she always make my friends as well. Um, pinny fours for school and things like that. They were definitely girls clothes. Yeah. Um, so. And we have no brothers or, um, you know, boys um, in our in our sort of family as, as children. So <clears throat> I definitely was brought up to be girly, I think. But mm-hmm. actually, bizarrely, as I got older, I'm much less like that. Like today, I'm here in massively clumpy black. Uh, what are they? They're not DMs, but you know, something like that. And um, I am wearing leggings, and I would say that those are girls. You wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't see. I don't think you would normally see. So you listen to my language, but you normally see men wearing these um, leggings and I'm wearing a big like, baggy jumper as per what I think is the fashion. So I want to talk to you about the fashion and how much um, fashion is leading this, which because um, obviously everything we talked about today so far is fashion in, in clothes, you know, in stores. And it's interesting. So what is driving that? Why, why fashion houses, you know, and I know that they plan two or three years in advance, what the, what they're going to be. And in fact, a friend of mine is a, um, a forecaster for styles. Um, but, and I don't know how she does that job, but, um, I mean, I'm I'm kind of going around the houses here. I would love to know in your family, Mm. did did your, were you brought up to be aware of these sorts of um, gender stereotyping? Were your parents, for example, quite keen to not gender stereotype? Yeah, it's an interesting one to think about. So, I mean, I had an older brother. Um, so, but my mum is also, she's an absolute lover of fashion and all that type of thing. And she's always very kind of on style. She loved to go shopping. I mean, I hate shopping. I can't stand it. So, and I always tell her it's because she used to drag me to shops. I just used to sit. In, on find a chair and sit on it or run around the shop I mean she she literally said that I used to I'd run around the shop while she was shopping and we had an agreement when I was quite young that as soon as she called my name she would I would come come to her so that I <laughs> didn't get lost because she was like I wouldn't I wouldn't stay with her I wouldn't stay so I wasn't interested and so so it is quite interesting to think about it um I think that I mean fashion is obviously it's it's very it's about making money right so Mm -hmm. of course the more products you can create the more you're going to make the less you can pass it on through um to to other people to other family members for example if you've got um you know boys and girls whatever in the household the more you have to buy i mean the rise of this happened so if we go all the way back then in the late 1800s actually um, it was always, it was the other way around. So boys, the colour for girls was blue and the colour for boys was pink. Now, the language was very similar in the way that it is now. Mm-hmm. And it was because pink was a strong, bold colour, right? And blue was a softer colour. Um, it was seen as it was seen as more um, kind of more pretty. And so so the language was the same, the colours were the other way around. Then it changed and it and it moved through that into about the 19 kind of 2030s is when it started to change. By the 1950s, it was kind of set in stone. And by that point, that's when marketing and advertising really had its rise, right? And at that point, it was about how much of stuff can we sell? And so this kind of divide happened. And then also, you've got to remember, we had world wars where women were working. Obviously, we know all the stuff about football. Suddenly, mm-hmm. women were banned from football um, uh, from football pitches to be able to play, whereas they had been playing really successfully because the men were coming back from war and all this stuff. So society had to change again massively and quickly. And so all these kind of restrictions were put on women in the 1950s, the rise of the kind of housewife type. You know, we can all see that vision of the woman in the in the dress at home. And, and actually, there've been that's a massive change for women having gone from basically running society, running the factories, you know, actually working in the land everywhere. Um, and then actually the men came back, what are they going to do? So there's so there's kind of massive rise and change. So our parents lived through a huge change and, and the impact of what had happened to their parents. And then I think actually when you look at our parents, so my mum, she worked full time, she was a teacher um, and and so she worked full time in the household, but then she still did a lot of the traditional household stuff. She cooked the meal um, for us like every evening. She'd do the ironing, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so then from 
from my perspective, I, I honestly can't really tell you where it came from, but I was always very like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Why are you doing everything? Yeah. And then, and, and also I had this real kind of drive. And, and again, I, I think it must've come from my family. It's real kind of drive for fairness. And it, it really annoyed me when things weren't fair. And so, um, and so the idea that boys could do things that girls couldn't really annoyed me. And so, you know, I was the only girl in drum club, for example. You know, that was me. Like, okay, my brother plays drums. I'm going to play the drums. I'm going to join drum club. I'm the only girl. That's fine. I'll sit on the kit and play whatever. And so, so there was, a, I guess there's a bit of defiance in that, right? And then, you know, I got to, I got to upper school and, and, it was really annoying me because at that point it was very gendered uniform. Girls weren't allowed to wear trousers. I remember having a discussion with my friend Emma and and I was like, why can't we wear trousers? And she was like, I don't know. And I was like, this is ridiculous. And and so so we went and petitioned the headmaster to change the uniform policy. Because we're like, we're fed up of sitting on the sports hall floor with the leaks coming from the ceiling in a skirt. It's really uncomfortable. We can't sit properly. Like, we want some trousers. And so, and he did. He changed the uniform policy for that. So, so this kind of went all the way through, I guess. And then I got to university. And so I studied English at university. So obviously, some of the stuff we studied, we took books and we looked at them from different theoretical angles. And obviously, one of those was feminisms. And at this point, I would say I would never have described myself as a feminist because it felt like a very... It was almost a very antagonistic word when we were growing up. and um, But it was really interesting because I remember having really heated discussions with the mature students. And they were saying, you know, you wait till you get into the working world. Like, you'll see that there is a real difference for men and women. And I remember, not just myself, but lots of us, we're, we're saying vehemently it won't be any different because we believe it will not be different and therefore we won't let it be different. Mm -hmm. So therefore it, the world will be different for us because of what we believe in. Yeah. And I remember getting into the working world and being utterly disappointed yeah, <laughs> and going, yeah. damn it, they were right. <laughs> if I was still in touch with them now, I would be calling them up and going, you were so right. Mm. And, and then actually realising properly for the first time oh god actually this is a thing and and it and it is everywhere and so so i guess i kind of grew up with that when it comes to me and clothes i think uh, probably similar to you i went through uh, all sorts of like different phases a phase of wearing skirts phase of wearing skirts the the, the usual actually for lots of girls girls end up really strongly disliking pink and that's partly because of the associations with it we're taught very young that being girly being a girl you know it's the biggest insult boys can give each other you know oh god you're a girl god you're playing like a girl god you're girly that's a, an insult right mm -hmm. so you learn oh god so growing like a girl yeah, yeah. I, right? yep. like a girl. all that stuff exactly <laughs> and so you're like wow well if being girl is negative then therefore the stuff that's associated with girls must be negative what's the most thing that's associated with girls pink and so so i also went through the phase of really going oh god no i don't like pink and so but mm. i was always much more about comfort and practicality so you know if you got saw pictures of me at university i was the one in that i was in big baggy trousers i nicked all my brother's old shirts so i'd have like a top on and then i'd tie the shirt up it's like even when I went out in the evening, like sometimes I'd wear like a short skirt and stuff, but I would always, I'd have like big, clumpy, again, I mean, it was quite good because it was the fashion at the time, but, you know, big, clumpy, everyone had DMs, I had Shelleys, like just, you know, I was always about kind of comfort and and just, I want to be, if I'm going to be out till two in the morning, I'm going to make sure I can stand up on my feet and not be really in pain. So, I don't know. So, mm. and again, I don't know where that came from, but... um. No. I'm gonna. I'm, yeah. I'm just gonna um, uh, just pause you just for a minute there yeah. because you've said so many things which I do want to pick up on. But yeah. we are gonna have a very quick break um, to hear from our first sponsor and also your first song, which is um, "Happy" by Pharrell Williams. Um, so I'm gonna just press play on that one, and then we will rejoin you in just a second, Claire. Okay. And we're back, and it seems absolutely perfectly timed actually to be talking about fashion. Um, 
and the fashion industry uh, because our very first sponsor for today's episode is um, absolutely wonderful, a wonderful local business. Um, it's called Simply Pre-Loved Children's Boutique and it's run by a lovely mum called Kate Casey. Now, Kate has lovingly curated the best pre-loved children's clothes, um, especially for busy parents who share her desire for pre-loved um, and who also share her concerns for the environment and landfill issues, uh, which as we know are prevalent um, but parents who perhaps, uh, or especially mums, and but parents who perhaps don't have the time to do all the searching um, and who maybe like me might worry about the quality of the clothes that might arrive because it's very difficult, I think, to, I find it personally very difficult to shop online anyway. Um, but also when you're shopping some of the pre-loved sites and those sort of things, it can be very difficult. Um, so you might not have time to search. You might worry about the quality of what arrives. And also something for me is I get then very stressed about the whole process of having to send things back if they're not right. In fact, probably what I'm likely to do is keep them because, um, you know, because I feel like it's actually too much stress to send back. But also if you're buying on multiple different sites, then you might have to start sending things back to multiple places. So this is an absolutely super site <clears throat> run by an absolutely wonderful girl called Kate, as I said. And now she offers um, a really wide selection of um, quality checked baby, toddler and children's clothes. Um, she totally understands the pressure of um, like that we've kind of really got in today's financial climate, especially for new mums um, and for families who are struggling with the rising costs. Um, I think that um, Simply Pre-Loved Children's Beauty is an absolutely brilliant business. It's run by a mum, as I said, who totally gets it. So I'd love you, please, to take the time to go and visit her um, on her various channels. So she's on Instagram at uh, simply underscore pre-loved underscore boutique and she's also got a website which is simply pre-loved children's boutique.co.uk um, and she is also on facebook as well um so thank you so much kate um and now i'm going to hope for the best that claire is still on the line i am indeed and she is thank goodness there you go uh i'm sorry to catch to sort of catch you cut you off then um because we were so in flow and i noticed the time because um this is such a brilliant conversation and, and it's definitely conversations that has to be had and needs to be aired um and um we're already we've already gone 20 minutes in so i was like right we've got to <laughs> we'll have a little breather and give you a bit of a breather um uh, and one of the things we quickly spoke about in the break then was um, as you were talking about, um, you know, your your childhood, um, it just made me think a lot about Tilda, uh, a couple of things about Tilda. So Tilda is a to remind everybody she's currently eight years old. She is my middle child. Um, now she is, um, as I said, the second. My first is a, a boy, Jacob. It's really interesting. I always found it very interesting how um, certain things regarding gender I am I totally hear you Claire I feel like there is so much influence from the outside world um, and and I think there is masses that we need to do about it but what I do find interesting is what we're sort of born with and one of the things I found interesting about Tilda was that she grew up in a house with uh, a brother who was 24 months older than her um, and at that point I was very much not into the plastic tat right so I didn't want all this you know, I didn't want the Barbies and the pink Barbie doll, you know, is it called dream house in that, you know, la, la, la. now don't get me wrong with that has all come into the house since, but, but <laughs> despite being surrounded by what I would now almost ashamedly say are boys toys, listen to me, I'm like, no, I'm not using your language, um, but you know, like Jacob's toys, they were, he's a boy and they were his toys. So they were, they were his toys, but they were very stereotypically um, cars, lego which i sh should not say as stereotypically boys but like it but bizarrely if i look at the colors right they were like the greens the blues the whites and the reds and that you know almost like the strong bold colors but when i look at what tilda was was bought from lego it's pastels and pinks and purples and do you know what i mean there is almost a weirdly different there's gender Vacation, isn't isn't there of Lego? I'm, I'm sure we're going to speak about that. But Tilda seemed to, anyway, regardless, to to grow up wanting to wanting dolls, and she became very very girly. Um, what do you think about that <laughs> about children? So, so this, I mean, there's so much to say about this. The first thing is so at not only pink and blue. The whole point of what we're doing is to make sure that there aren't any limits and everyone has all the choice there is no issue if there is a girl who wants to wear pink dance play with dolls all of those things 
that is not an issue like that's not the issue at all and and actually that's a great thing as long as they've had the choice of all the other things right mm -hmm. and the issue is in our society it's very difficult to have that choice so although as parents we think oh we've got all the stuff and actually we haven't we haven't like made them go in that direction and we haven't you know we didn't get the dolls and stuff the reality is that it all of this this kind of messaging is everywhere and as i said our brains love a rule and so we start to learn those rules very early mm -hmm. and even if you think about the um, fairy tales we read and the nursery rhymes we sing we're already telling them what those roles are before they can even understand exactly what that language is we even know that if someone knows the sex of their baby in the womb they talk to that baby differently depending on if they've been told they're a boy or a girl. Wow, and so, so right. So, that is so yeah, right. These things happen. We talk about emotions much more with girls from birth. We talk about talk. We talk to them more. We use more words with girls. So quite often people say, oh, boys just don't have such good language. Well, we don't talk to boys as much. We literally don't talk to them as much. And we certainly don't talk to them about emotions, whereas we do with girls. So all of these things, you know, from very early, and then you get to kind of three, four, when when children are starting to understand, oh, well, kind of where do I fit in this? And they kind of have this realization, oh, I'm I'm in the kind of girl category, or I'm in that boy category, and therefore then those rules are set. Ah, I see, and this isn't conscious, right? But now I understand why I've been played with like that, given that why that what my role is in that fairy tale, what that nursery means for me, all those kind of things, and and we as parents will always say. Oh, we don't we don't stereotype. And unfortunately for all of us, the reality is that it's so pervasive that actually we do. We we and Lego come back to Lego. Lego did a massive study a couple of years ago and it, it, and it was called Ready for Girls because it was about them trying to work out how do we help get girls much more into STEM type subjects. And obviously Lego being a very kind of, almost kind of engineering in the way that it is, or we could help do that. Now they found some really interesting things. They didn't just find things about girls. They found things about boys too. Um, and one of the things was as parents, we are five times more likely to encourage girls over boys to engage in dance and dressing up activities. And we're four times more likely to encourage boys to play sport. And so, so actually, there's a massive difference there, right? So we're, we're teaching girls to dress up, be creative, all of those things. And then we're engaging boys instead in sport, right? And so, and this, it's not saying that that means that that's all they're going to like. And this is really key. But it does mean we're telling them very clearly where you go. There have been lots of studies, they're called gender disguise studies, and they get children or very young children and, and babies into a room and they dress them as if, and I'm using my quotation marks again, they are a boy or a girl, whether they are or not, like whichever. And then they invite uh, parents in, adults, to say, who's, who would actively say, I do not play differently with girls and boys, I play the same, and just observe them. And they do. They offer different toys, they play more physically with boys, they're much more careful with girls, they're more likely to keep girls quieter, uh, not let them be as out. So all of these things happen when we subconsciously we just don't realize we're doing it mm -hmm. and so and and so this this is kind of really key to we think that we've got the influence but actually when you start to think about all of the things a that we've absorbed and therefore we do and and i'm really clear to say to people i am in this every single day I'm reading the studies. I go do talks about it. You know, I'm out in schools. I'm at businesses. I'm like, I'm, I'm literally doing it every day. I think, say, and do things every single day that I catch myself and go, oh, yeah. I can't believe even I do that. And that's because I, like you say, like I'm in this. And yet it's so, it's so ingrained that actually, and I think the really easy one to think about, the one that makes us go, oh yeah, that's difficult. When we are taking our children to a party and we don't know that child particularly well, when we have to buy them a present, what's our default? And I think that that's one way you can really see the stereotype kick in because you're not going to go and buy the boys some loom bands or a bracelet making or something creative likely 
unless you know them really well and you know that's the kind of thing they like. But when you let's imagine you don't know this child particularly well, equally you're probably not going to buy the girls a football or, you know, or, or some of the other things you could, you just, that's where it really kicks in. And when we think about books, I think books is a good one. Lots of people think, oh, I'll buy a book. Would you buy a book for a boy that has a girl as the main character? Probably not. And so, so you know, so we start to see all these influences. I mean, I can go all into books, you know, 57% of children's books published a year have their central character is male. Only 31% have female central characters. And when there are female characters, they tend to be in the background. They're caring characters. They don't have as many lines, you know. So, Can I ask it, a quick question on that? Is, um, it, from, a, from the point of view of the authors, is that because of the gender difference in how many authors are successful in terms of, for some reason, maybe I'm jumping to conclusions here, are men writing male characters in as the leads and women writing female characters in? as the leads and is is the difference in the um the the percentage there to do with a problem in the percentage of of female authors making it if you know what i mean um to you know unfortunately not you are obviously there are more male authors there Mm -hmm. are you're more likely to have a central female character from a female author however uh, it's not it's not the case that actually they still have majority male characters now this stuff is all getting better mm-hmm. there is no doubt it's getting better it is easier to find i think what we have to think about though is a lot of our households our schools books are expensive right books are a difficult one because you're not going to change your whole bookshelf overnight you can't afford to do that no one can and certainly our schools can't and so so actually we have to really think about what's in those books when we're when we're reading to our children i always say to people you know when they're young and they can't yet read you know swap the pronouns just mess around with it change the story it's a storybook that's what's good about stories if they're a bit older and they understand ask them some questions who would you want to be do you think this is fair you know how would you change the story all those kind of things brilliant for them because they are naturally inquisitive Mm -hmm. they're also naturally like look out for unfairness they're very good at that kids like oh that's not fair you're right, that's not fair. Like, why would that be? Why would we not want it to be like that? If we wanted to change the world, how would we do it? And so, and they're really good at that. It sparks their imaginations. And so we can use the books that we've got. We can use those fairy tales and the nursery rhymes and we can play with them and get our kids to understand actually that this isn't how it has to be. And you have you have some control and agency over this too. It's so interesting. I am sitting here thinking, oh my God, goodness like I you know I can't I the the question you're answering is my point about Tilda actually knacked what I thought you know in um almost genetically naturally physiologically being female now I'm thinking do you know what she we dressed her for as a baby in pink flowery clothes we probably I probably selected things from CBBs that I that were not Chuggington but were something else do you know what I mean I'm wondering I'm now thinking there there's me thinking she you know oh Claire she naturally grew up a girl like girly um hang on a minute you know and, and now I'm like oh my it's all the penny has dropped basically and but equally uh, this is so I think the really key thing here is this isn't about going oh my god I've done it wrong or whatever no no she is and healthy she really enjoys herself and she loves those toys and you know and the pink and whatever that's great Mm. absolutely great there was absolutely nothing wrong with that at all and she's she's having loads of fun and she's having a brilliant childhood that's Mm. what we want right come on so but we can still go we can still make sure that as much as possible what we want them to do is go i can do all sorts of stuff in the world i i I feel comfortable with having the opportunity to try out all these different things and decide what I like. And I think, so when I do my talks, one of the things I talk about is a definition of stereotypes, gender stereotypes. And there's obviously the obvious one that we all know about, you know, certain roles performed by men, women, girls, boys, whatever. But the one I always talk about is Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. So she writes it perfectly for me. And she says, the problem with stereotypes is not that they are untrue, but they are incomplete. They make one story become the only story. And I think this is the really important bit for me. So if you've got a child, for example, who loves playing with dolls and loves dresses and, and, you know, loves pink and all those things, absolutely, that's great. 
But also another part of their story will be that they love to climb trees and the most the place they want to take the dolls is in the mud. And and I mean, I've I've got a child like this and then and and they want to like make mixed potions with mud and, you know, leaves and whatever. The, the When we focus in and we tend to do it, we focus in on the rule, right, which is the stereotype and we focus in on the things that they love. So uh, that fit the stereotype and we forget about the other stuff. That's kind of the quirks we kind of see it as. But actually, it's not. That's part of their story, too. And so we just have to make sure we don't miss out the, the other things that they love, because actually they are really important as well. And they're part of their story. So they can love all those things. But, you know, if they like doing it in the mud, let's make that part of their story, too, so that it's it's not reinforced that this is, yeah, you should definitely be doing this. Actually, all of those things you're doing are brilliant and they're all part of you and they can interchange and you can decide you don't like them. That's absolutely fine. So... Yeah, it's about not honing in just on the stereotype, but that's what our brains do because that's what we tend to. Oh, they're such a they're such a boy because they love football, but mm. you forget they love to dance when you put on some music. But that's like, oh yeah, he's a bit quirky. He loves to dance to music. Oh no, but he loves football, you know, and he loves to loves to climb trees and he loves to, you know, and that's the bit we focus on. And we've got to try not to do that. We've got to broaden it out and go, yeah, but there's loads of things actually. When you look at it, it's like I always think if you look at yourself as an adult. And you go, okay, what do you really like? Well, I love to dance, right? I love to dance. I love going out. I love going to a coffee shop. I love cake. I love all these things, right? Stereotypically, if you want, you know, women or girly or whatever. I also love going to the rugby. I drink pints of ale, you know, yeah. just like... And, and I remember you with pints, Claire Willis. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's it. And so, <clears throat> and that's also part of my story. And if mm. we forgot the other bit, You'd be like, oh yeah, Claire's really good. You know, she's got long hair. She's, you know, and and but actually, that all those other bits are really big part of me as well. Mm -hmm. And so, and actually, if you remove the stereotypes, which is what I'd love to do, remove the stereotypes altogether. That's just that's just all part of me. Mm. It's really interesting, isn't it? I'm just thinking more on on from my personal perspective on you know my parenting and and and, and not in a judgy way. I'm not judging myself or being hard on myself at all. Just just reflecting, I suppose. Um, now going back to Tilda, she is now a cub. Actually, she's went she went to <laughs> beavers and cubs. Um, yeah. And I don't know how that actually happened. I th- she actually followed a friend who just was loving it. Um, and. So because I, I suppose I'm just looking at our situation. So she's a beaver. So she's sorry, she's a cub. Um, that means she is doing a whole mix of activities. I don't know what's happening in brownies. Um, but for some reason, I still feel in my, my gut still tells me that brownies, you don't get boys very often at brownies, whereas you yeah. seem to get we it's definitely 50 50 now of, of um, girls and boys I would say at the cubs and the beavers um so that's interesting but I'm thinking as well about situations at home with um like when I'm reading to Lily or having conversations with Jacob I find myself getting very narked and irritable um quite quickly when Jacob will say something like oh mom I'm not wearing that because that's it's pink you know and he mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, you know and I'll quickly jump on him about like, you know you know just pink is for everybody or you know or he'll say something like I'm not going to gymnastics because that's for girls um and or or Tilda will say something and like oh no I'm not doing that mum because that's that's a boy's thing and and I find myself getting very narked about that that mm. I also think I you know it's when you were talking about books I read to Lily and when books are even trying to not gender stereotype I find that it's already it's in them already so Lily will go I'll say that's that, that is, you, is that a girl or a boy mummy and, and I'll I'll say whether it's a girl or boy based on the character that's in the book um mm-hmm. and if the little girl for example has short hair she can't mm-hmm. get her head around it that it's a girl she's like no mummy that's a boy and I'm like no no not at all you know every you know you can have whatever length hair you want boys can have whatever and it's I'm just thinking it, it's a, it's confusing isn't it the situation yeah. for kids at the moment you know you've got parents who are who agree with you who agree with um you know a hundred percent that I hate stereotypes um and yet, from what you've said, I am by accident also stereotyping them. Now, we've got, for example, I'm going to Frost this evening. They're opening their um, Christmas um, uh, shop um, and there's a big thing. I will be dressed up in a lovely, pretty dress and I want mm-hmm. the girls to wear dresses. I've already decided that. So, mm-hmm. you know, 
<laughs> I'm sitting here now going, oh gosh, because to me, girls, you know, because they're coming with me, the three of us together are going to be dressed smartly in in party dresses. It's it's it could not smack more of stereotyping, <laughs> could it? I think the party thing is really interesting though, because this is where I really feel sorry for boys. So. So although I think that lots of the boys' clothes in boys, quote unquote, clothes in shops are better and the quality is better and things like that. Mm. When you look at party season, what have boys got? Like yeah. girls get colours and sparkles and fun stuff and all sorts of things. Boys is like, I mean, if you're lucky, you'll get like maybe a blue waistcoat or, you know, mm-hmm. there's nothing, you know, so then... Again, I mean, they've learned, right, to Jacob's point, well, I'm not wearing that as girls. Well, yeah, because when he looks around, they don't have that type of stuff. That's not no. for them, right? And and with the with the hair thing, there's so much to pick up on it, so I'm trying to go quick. So uh, there's a really interesting thing is that, so we often use the terms, like you said, and, and we all do the same, and I do it too. Oh, that's for everyone. Anyone can have that. For kids, that's completely intangible. Like So what I always advise people to do, and I try and do as well, is use absolutely tangible examples. So, of course, girls can have short hair. Nanny's got short hair. So-and-so teacher at school has got short hair. You know, of course, boys can, can, can wear pink. Daddy wears a pink shirt. You know, so-and-so, you know, again, teacher at school or, you know, whatever it is. Mm. Or favourite footballer, you know, whatever it is. Someone who is in their mind's eye and is utterly tangible. So for sport, I mean, at the moment, we're in an amazing place in terms of football for for girls and women. You know, we not only won the Euros, we were then in the final of the World Cup. So really tangibly, now, like, if anyone says to children, especially to girls, well, girls can't play football, there is an absolute tangible answer to that. Mm. Uh, can we just yes, pick up on just something there as well I'm sorry yeah. my blood started to I could feel my blood pressure going up just as you started to mention the World Cup because one thing as well though that I think is really awful is that um, had it been the men in the World Cup final you would have mm. I think that you would have had the king there you would have had the prime minister of the, the UK yeah. there but nobody showed up yeah for them and yeah and I think I massively noticed that and I discussed it you know with the other half and whatever who didn't I don't think see it as such a big deal oh well maybe they blah but you know our our king's granddaughter could have been there as well taken to see you know that the, the whole family could have gone you know in representation I don't know I just was I just thought it was a really really poor show and um yeah. and I, I, think I, I didn't think it would have happened if it was the, the men's team yeah, I think first it's a real shame, and secondly, I think that everyone should have had their their you know their his the king's grandson should have been there. Yeah, the king, you know, William should have had his son and his daughter. Yeah, I mean, I'm right. sure a bit too young when he was talking about it and congratulating them in being in the final, because because this is where I was saying you know it's a bit like the books. People won't buy a book for a boy that has a has a female central character. Um, it's a bit the same. It's like, oh, well, it's it's a Women's World Cup, so we'll get our daughters to do a thing. Well, actually, it's just as important that we're getting our sons to be part of this as well. Because right. that's me slipping up again. Be, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's just, but this is the thing. It's like, because we're so used to this mm-hmm. segregation, right? We're mm-hmm. so used to this kind of, you know, women are from Venus, men are from Mars or whatever it is. And it's just this kind of idea that, well, you can only support that if, if you're a woman. Well, women go to the, you know, the, the World Cups, the men's rugby, you know, for all different sports, whatever it is, and we go and support the men. There's no reason that we shouldn't have the boys and the men supporting the women. It's just, it, 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 for me, it just seems like actually it was fundamentally one of the biggest things we've seen in sport you know football is our national sport right that's how people talk about it we haven't been in a world cup final since 1966 or whatever it was or at least we won then i don't know if we've been in the world cup final since then but like amazing that we're there and potentially we're going to win it i mean you know that we the talk was that we had a real chance to win that match yeah and so Everyone, and it was, I mean, it was hugely watched, right? It was watched by, I can't remember what it was. I, I put a stat, I think, on one of my socials. 
but just live via the BBC, it was watched by millions of people. And so, and it was one of the biggest watched matches in the last kind of 10 years. I think it's amazing, right? Mm. And so, and so it should be. But we, we really have, and this is why I wanted kind of <laughs> challenges from birth, is because we set this all up so early, so early. In fact, another thing from the Lego study, which kind of talks to all of this, um, they found that 71% of boys said that they worry about playing with toys that are typically associated with girls because they think they're going to be made fun of. Mm. Right, so even at a young age, they have already understood there are those things which are supposedly just for girls. They are not, or they're seen as negatively, or they're used as a pejorative. Therefore, if I play with it, even if I want to, if I play with it, I might be teased, therefore I won't. I think, God, the mental thought process that those boys have had to go through to go, I want to play with that. What is it? Is it, oh, no, it's a girl's toy. Oh, no, so I better not play with it because then I might be teased. I'll go and play with something else. Wow. The, like the energy that must have gone into that, all obviously subconsciously, but that's a huge thought process to go through in order to not play with a toy and go and play with something else. And you're like, wow, we've taught our kids so young that, they need to worry about stuff like that. That's rubbish. Mm. That's really. And of course, then by the time we get to, you know, we get we become older, and you know, we, we're looking at kind of aspirations or what we want to do. Well, it's not really a surprise we see some of the career device that we see, because they've understood it from very young. So, mm -hmm. so yes. Yeah, trying to cover about a million topics in one. I no, know. I know. And I feel like I'm jumping all over the place, but it does all. Well, all come together. It does, <laughs> and it is all absolutely fascinating. And I think everything has merit to talk about. And and for everybody, um, you know, for for you and I listening, um, I had asked Claire to talk about things in a very different structure. So bless her, she's um, like um, kind of winging it because <laughs> I keep chucking a new question. In. Um, so to that point, we're actually going to listen to your um, another one of your ch ch song choices here, which is "Dream Come True" by the brand new Heavy. Um, and we'll listen to our um, second sponsor um, and we'll be back shortly. I'll see you in a second, Claire. Okay. That's a great track. Thank you so much for choosing that, Claire. Um, I'm just going to quickly give a shout out to our second sponsor. Now, um, Jade is one of my good friends. I have known Jade for absolutely ages. Um, and she's just started a brand new business. So I really want to give a lovely shout out to you today. Now, um, parenting can be joyous, uplifting, very rewarding. Um, when you see their little smiling faces um, about the day you've planned and you've put so much thought into everything. Um, but who is actually taking care of you and making sure that you're okay? Okay. Um, as we know, as parents, it's really important to look after ourselves so that we can carry on looking after the little ones and enjoying days out. Now, Jade has just started her brand new business in sports massage therapy, and she is really, really passionate about helping fellow parents out there who suffer from the constant aches and pains that can come from carrying the family, the weight of the family physically, emotionally, all the time. Um, she really wants to help you out and sports massage is a is basically been proven to release um uh tension in muscles improve your circulation encourage the removal of waste products such as lactic acid which forms during high intensity activity like running around after those kids picking them up constantly um and it can obviously help you to relax the body um now i don't know about you but in the past i've heard about sports massage and it scares me it makes me think oh that's going to be painful and i have so many friends that have been and be like oh now jade says that sports massage does not have to hurt it can be tailored to you and your body um, and structured to help reduce the knots and relieve that tension um so she really wants to help you out and as a huge thank you to you guys uh for um listening she wants to offer you a 20 percent discount if you quote Susie radio when you book so she is local to Stony Stratford and the surrounding areas, Milton Keynes. So please do take advantage of um, that amazing offer. Um, it's a she's a brand new business and um, she's also a mum. So let's support, um, you know, let's support local, let's support other mums in business and female founders, and um, also look after yourself. Now I have booked in for Monday because she offers um, the opportunity to either come to you or you can go to her. She's out based out in Road, um, which is not too far from here. Um, and I just think, you know, give yourself that opportunity for a bit of self-care. 
love yourself as well as, as much as you love that the little one in your in your life that you're carrying around so uh, thank you very much jade for being our second sponsor um massive luck for your new business i'm sure it's going to be amazing because you've got you've got a heart of gold and what you're doing is you know you've got parents at the heart of your business so well done at you um it's hoping that claire is still with us are you there i am indeed good good lovely oh claire now this conversation has been so wonderful um and we've got still so much to talk about and i'm looking up and we've been on 57 minutes um but i wanted to um highlight something you mentioned just before we came on air and that was that yesterday was the international day of the girl now i have to say i was not aware of that i have never heard of it before but what i was interested particularly when you told me that is that I'm not aware of the international day of the boy but you did say um you corrected me that there is one um now the cynic in me straight away wants to say well every day is the international day of the boy you know um because of the fact that I suppose we also not only feel like we're in a man's world but we are with all of this sort of stereotyping and this sort of um what's the word like sort of how it's been seeped into our kind of culture and our psyche I feel like you know every day you know I've heard that term before every day is the day of the boy kind of thing um tell me what on earth is the international day of the girl what does it mean and is it not swinging us in the wrong direction (laughs) I mean international day of the girl it's a bit like international women's day right it's a it's a day to recognize and focus on um the things we need to do in the world to make it better for especially for girls we know that around the world and i was a un delegate this year um un women delegate and and actually when you go to the the presentations and the discussions around this i mean there is so much work to be done right um not just in the uk but all around the world i mean girls and women are massively oppressed um and you know as we know in some societies completely not even allowed to be educated and things like that so there is a lot of work to do and so international day of the girl is to highlight some of those and make real kind of tangible Um, practical thoughts on what we can do to make that change. Now, it'll be different in different parts of the world and the way that that is then celebrated. But because we are in a place where, unfortunately, these stereotypes still exist, they do have a massive impact, you know, like, you know, girls by the age of eight have lost 30% of their confidence and never really get it back, start to believe that boys are best in them at everything, then it is really important that we highlight some of this stuff and have a focus in on those things. Now, that's not to say that, and there is an international day of the boy child, you know, there are stereotypes, as we always talk about, not only pink and blue, and I know we've talked about, they impact boys just as much as girls so although we live in a patriarch and therefore what we would look at is go well of course the world or our world our our country is run predominantly by men it's men in all the senior positions boys are the ones that are told they can go and change the world and strive for anything and have loads of confidence and all that stuff actually you know look by the age of six boys have lost any emotional literacy they may have had and we know the impact of not being able to um, understand talk about and identify your emotions it's huge right and so so for boys and then men that has a massive impact and so and the, the patriarchy ultimately and is just as bad for them I mean you know it tells them they've got to be a certain way as well and maybe they don't want to be that way and they're not like that so um, but I think the days give you a chance to highlight in and look at specific things that we need to work on and think about um so i do i do think that they are they're quite they're good days to have and they and it does help people rally around i think one of the issues is that especially what i mean often you i use international women's day as a classic example of this people like go okay especially businesses well we'll have an event for that we'll get some speakers in we'll ask them to speak for free which is generally what happens um and then which obviously contributes to the gender pay gap and everything else but you know and then and then that's it that's done we're done we've done a bit of pr we had some talks right move on Mm -hmm. and that's that's not how it should be so i think for me the danger of the international days is that people go we'll just do something on that day now we're done let's now next we'll do another thing next year as opposed to going right 
this is this is actually the start of an actual movement that we need to that now address and make change and that needs to continue on obviously there's a day for everything i i mean as in as in every day there is a day <laughs> so i think i can understand it's quite hard but i think people have got to pick what they're going to really focus in on and then but then continue that through um through the year not mm. just once a year. no absolutely i mean i guess the goal here is that we don't need these days isn't it in the end like we should yeah. be in a place where we don't need to be yeah highlighting girls and women and and you know and yeah. and all those things and you know and i was just thinking about when you mentioned the patriarchy how much it's a flipping shame that we are still in this day and age like yeah. admitting that that is the situation and yeah. and then it, you know we talked um earlier in the month um or a couple of weeks ago about the Barbie movie and how that flipped yeah. it to a matriarchy and how actually that's actually matriarchy and that actually no better. Um, that mm. wasn't, you know, it was almost, it came from a sort of feminist perspective. It tried to highlight that women can be and do everything and all those things. And, um, and it tried to sort of highlight the problems and actually what it sort of slightly did was reinforce it on a different, on the other side. And that was also no good. Um, but it's like, what is, you know, is it that we can, we either, what's the, goal it's like we don't want to be in a patriarchy we don't want to be in a matriarchy what is the other what's the what, archie, <laughs> the archie well, where we all work together yeah well, it's, it's, it's the classic right if if you look at any of the stats when you've got a more equal board when you've got a more equal management team the companies do better right mm -hmm. they do better and so because it works better right when we've got we've got a, a set of people who have got different thoughts and backgrounds we don't want a set of people who all think the same do the same to be creating it, everything for everyone else we want lots of kind of diversity of thought and and diversity in those in those places so that we people are thinking broader and contributing more and and bigger and and better ideas so um so yeah we we want to be able to work together yeah and that's down to the you know it's it's in big business small business and also you know into yeah. the family if you look at a family that's got a well-balanced um yeah. uh you know whether your wife and wife husband and husband but if it's balanced you know yeah. it's um it's just so much better the family runs a lot smoother etc etc i mean this um actually perfectly segues back to um, the, the conversation i wanted to start 10 minutes in which was um um about you know your personal um journey and you know you and i we met when we worked together at mnc sarchi um yeah. in an, an amazing agency called leader um which was run and led by two women at the time absolute powerhouse yeah. women um you know i have often heard women leading um the the team i also worked with wonderman thompson also under mel edwards who is just such a powerhouse and um now your career you went from strength to strength to strength and eventually you were in a very high up position at uh, virgin right yeah um, yeah so yep go yeah. on yeah, so I, uh, yeah, as you said, I was, I was, uh, I was with you at Leader in, in um, MSC Saatchi, and then I went back to MSC Saatchi, having gone off to another agency, um, working under Lisa still, uh, which was great. Um, and yeah, I was managing partner there, and then moved to Virgin Group. So, um, and was head of customer and brand experience over there, and so working with all of the Virgin companies, of which there are sixty, um, to kind of lead their customer experience um side and yeah it was it's fantastic company as everyone knows um fantastic job but i guess the question is why would you leave that and go mm. that, <laughs> that is yep so, <laughs> that was my next so, question yeah so uh, well it's an interesting one because as i said i've always had this kind of fairness thing and obviously I was very kind of tuned into like the quality piece and so I uh, when I was at MNC it was interesting lots of my friends started to have children and so of course we were based in Soho so I was out shopping for them for presents and I walked into a world that I knew was there right we've talked about it but it was this pink blue divide and it was so stark like I couldn't believe how stark it was and so I was like, God, I can't believe we're still here. So I started going, well, where are the colorful kids clothes? Like what the hell is going on? And so I started a blog called Not Only Pink and Blue. And it was all about small independent brands who were doing fun, colorful clothes for kids. And so um, 
So I started that blog and I was writing that. And then I started to have my own children. And at that point, I thought, am I annoyed about some colours or do I, or is it more than that? And that's when I started to do the research. That's when I found all those stats. And that's when I started to go, oh my goodness me, this is a massive issue actually. And it was interesting because at MC, we were working with lots of big clients and obviously you know delivering their advertising but also we'd be asked to do stuff for their internal comms and we'd quite often get briefs in which were which were about women in business right and we're going to do this campaign internally for women in business and i was always like oh what are you going to do two things always came up we're going to teach them confidence and we're going to teach them leadership skills and you're like okay like define confidence and define leadership skills because this is quite interesting, right? So this view that women didn't have the confidence, the reason they weren't at the top, you know, where are the senior females was because they had no confidence and they didn't have leadership skills, which is quite a statement in itself. And then on the counter side, we had charity and government clients telling us that they were seeing they were seeing the kind of biggest mental health crisis they'd ever seen in young adult males. And so I was like, okay, We've got these things being tackled at adult level, but if we already know that by the age of six, boys have no emotional literacy, and we know that girls have lost their confidence at the age of eight, we're tackling something way too late. Like we're talking about 20 years, 25 years too late, right? And so then I start to go, God, what can we do about it? And by this point, I was in, I was at Virgin, and obviously everyone's an entrepreneur there. <laughs> everyone set up a business, failed at a business, sold a business, got a side hustle, you know. And so, and I start to say to people, I really want to do something about this. And so, well, were you a uh, parent at this time yourself? Yeah. So I had. So I was. Yeah. So I had my first job when I was at MNC, and I had my second when I was at Virgin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. And I started off, because of our backgrounds, I started off going, okay, well, we've got a massive issue with our buying behavior. That's where I started. And that's why I'm so interested in the boy-girl divide of the buying. So I set up a marketplace, not only Pink and Blue, um, which was everything on there was from small independent brands. There were no girl-boy filters, and you could only search by activity, attitude, um, you know, things like that. Um, and and so, um, so I set that up. Now, that happened to be being set up during, well, then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And so then we're like, obviously homeschooling and trying to do the business or whatever. And I think this is when we kind of reconnect again as well. Yeah. And then, um, and what happened was, I was getting people coming to me going, oh, this is really interesting. Could you come and do a talk? Could you do a round table? Could you, could you put in some experts and, and host it so that we're talking about this? And I was like, this is really interesting. And so after a while I started to go, hmm, maybe, that's where I should be looking. And so what I did was I flipped the business. Beginning of last year, I flipped the business so that it was focusing in on the more of the talks and the education piece um, and and made the, the marketplace into a directory of shops. So people can still find those, but then they can go and buy directly from those businesses. And lots of them have put a, a discount for not only pink and blue. If you go there, you can use the discount code to get like 10% off or whatever. Um, and so and so that's what happened and then later last year i started to look at the kind of parental leave piece and how that's woefully low and so started to go what could we do to help with that and help making it so that more dads are able to go off and so we've really focused in now on that area we did some focus groups we've just had a piece of research out in market that we've got all the stats from looking at um you know what what's it like for parents who are working what's the culture like at work how are they able to parent in the way they want to um you know are dads able to take time off um after birth all those types of things and we've got some really interesting stats off the back of it because what we're trying to do is really help businesses create parent-friendly work cultures, um, encourage some more of that parental leave. Now, I know there are lots of things around the way that it's been set up by the government makes it quite complicated, um, but but also help parents with some of the knowledge that they could they, they need. So this all comes through businesses, because for us, if we don't impact businesses, but it then impact parents, we can't then impact everything else. So if we can get to that, help parents, then we can impact children from birth, but also we can have a massive impact on the gender pay gap because we're sorting out this issue, which is where it really kicks in is generally when children are coming to the family. That's that's one of the points at which women's with a gender pay gap really increases. So, um, so yeah, so it's kind of a, a something that helps going forward and back. And then obviously we still do all our talks in, in schools and workshops and, and parent courses and things like that. Wow. So to our listeners out there who um, 
you know, might want to get in touch with you today or, you know, it might be a business owner, it might be a, somebody working in big corporate that, you know, is really, really interested in having you in. Um, how can we get in touch with you, Claire? So uh, I've obviously got a website, notonlypinkandblue.com. Um, I'm on socials, which is not only pink blue on uh, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and then uh, and LinkedIn. Uh, and then or just email me hello at notonlypinkandblue.com. Um, and yeah, we can have a chat and talk about how we can help businesses, schools um, just understand what this all is how it impacts because it really does have impact um in the business in the workplace or in school and what we can do about it amazing oh thank you so much for joining me today it's been fascinating i mean <clears throat> i've just it's so eye-opening really isn't it that we are uh, you know we have been inherently sort of trained um i think from birth to you know to think this way, to talk this way, to be mm -hmm. this way. And I am now realizing, you know, that I, um, I have been sort of trained that way that I'm now training my children that way. And yet we really, really do have to switch this up. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I think it's amazing. If, um, there was one little nugget that you could leave with our listeners today, um, to sort of take away and ponder, what would that be? We don't have to change everything. So I love the saying, um, the ocean is made up of lots of single droplets. By doing just a few simple things, we can have a massive impact. And just dropping those little droplets into our children's brains is enough. It sits there. They understand. They work it through. It'll come out the other side. So, so for me, this isn't about I've got to throw out all my books. I've got to change everything. I've got to change the way I parent. It's not. You've got to just start being a little bit more conscious and have some of those conversations and just just point things out to your children and let them show you too. We can all do it. It's it's we can make this change. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Claire. Thank you for your song choices. I'm sorry we only got to play two, but the conversation was just so great. I, I couldn't bear to stop you in, in mid-flow. Um, thank you so, so much also to um, Jade and also to Kate for being our fabulous sponsors today and allowing us to bring this to you cost-free. Um, and I will be seeing you all again. Well, seeing you, I, I will be talking to you and chatting with you again next week. Um, Wednesday, 12 till 1, back here on the Wikimama Takeover. Um, huge thanks to Claire. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. And thank you to you all for listening. And I will speak to you very soon. Take care.